We have a rich history together. Many people have come before and we've seen hundreds of lives transformed by the life, freedom and hope found in Jesus. It's been a rich 40 year history and we want to continue to invest into the future of what our church is going to be. As we sought God to know where He is leading us, He showed us clearly where He is wanting us to go. But to make this dream a reality, we need to create spaces that allow this to become real. And that's what we're doing. As we prepare for stage one of our building, we're really excited about having a new front space to create community together. We're looking forward to welcoming in our community to spend time in our new cafe and our new playground. This isn't just about keeping things fresh, although that's important. This is about creating space for us to experience community with one another and also welcoming those from our local community who are searching for more. Imagine if during the week, if life groups were meeting here together, imagine if during Youth and Kids Club, parents from the community stayed and had coffee and connected with others from the church. Imagine if after church on Sundays, we can sit across from one another and connect in a comfortable and relaxed way. Imagine if we opened our cafe during the mornings and connected with people dropping their kids off down the road, building bridges into our local community. We see stage one as a key way to making all of this become a reality. We're doing this together and we invite you to partner with us as we build not just for right now, but also for the generations to come. Now, it is really great to have you here on this special day, uh, but I do want to acknowledge that for some of you, you might be feeling uh, even a little bit cynical about what we're going to be speaking uh, a bit uh, about today. You might be feeling a little bit funny about this whole Commitment Sunday thing and this whole idea of giving above and beyond our regular giving. And I just want to acknowledge that, uh, that for many of you, you may have people coming to you all the time and, uh, and, and saying things to you, asking for you to give to, to many different things, even good things. But this can be a, a pretty difficult ask for, for many people. I mean, with the, with the current climate of the way that the world is, with rising house prices and rising car prices, rising interest rates, rising food prices, it can be pretty hard to, uh, to think about giving money towards something else. For myself, this past week, um, on Tuesday, which is my which my day uh, which was my day off, um, I wasn't expecting anyone to, uh, to to visit my house at that time. But I heard a knock on the door on Tuesday, and I was enjoying watching my my favourite show, Suits. Anyone else here love Suits? No, oh, only a few people. But I was uh, I was just chilling out watching uh, Harvey Specter. Um, doing his thing on the, on the TV. And I went downstairs after I heard my door being knocked on uh, and answered the door. And a lady was standing there um, and opened the discussion by asking me uh, about solar panels. She asked me whether I had solar panels on my roof. She asked me what sort of solar panels, what sort of, um, what sort 
of, what's the word, um, what, what we get from the, from the solar panels, and she went on for a long time describing why her company's solar panels were better than whatever, she, uh, whatever we have on our roof. Um, she went on to, to ask me all about what sort of solar panels we have on our roof. This went on for about 10 minutes without me saying anything, but, but I needed to reply and say, look, I've only been living in the house for two weeks at this stage. I don't even know where the plates are in the kitchen yet. I haven't even worked out how to use our dishwasher. I have no idea what sort of solar panels we have on our roof at the moment. Now, I was clearly getting a little bit irritated by, uh, after about 10 minutes because in the back of my mind, you can imagine, all I was thinking was, I want to get back to watching Suits. That's all I'm interested. And she could see that I was switching off a bit. And so I could see she was trying to use a bit of her training to draw something out of me. So she started trying to build some personal rapport with me. She asked me um, what I uh, what I spend a lot of my, my time doing just on my, on my days off, and was thinking I'd try to watch Suits usually. Um, she asked me what I do for a job, and I replied, I'm a pastor, and she asked, so what does that involve? And I just stood there thinking, a lot of things. There's a lot of things involved with, uh, with being a, a pastor. And I said, after that point, can I please go now? Like, I don't want to talk about solar panels anymore. I'm not interested. Um, and eventually, I just ended up walking away. Um, there was a point where, uh, where I said to her, look, you can come back tomorrow. It was fine for her to come back tomorrow because I wasn't going to be there, but my wife was going to be, so she would have had to, uh, to deal with it from that point. And all I knew is all that she wanted to do was get something out of me. Now, for some of you today, um, when we speak about Commitment Sunday and when we speak about giving, you may feel a little bit this way when the person from the front of the church is speaking about giving. It might feel to some of you like we're just giving some sales pitch to you so that you might be able to give some money to the church. And for some of you, you may be sitting here for the next half an hour or so just thinking that you want to go home and watch suits. <laughs> but I would say that Christian giving and generosity is not supposed to be like giving to any charity or organisation. Christian giving and generosity is not like just spending your money going to Woolworths or Coles. There is something different and unique about giving to the work of God. And this is really clear throughout Jesus' teachings. Jesus spoke more about money than heaven and hell combined. 11 out of 39 parables of Jesus were directed towards finances. One in every seven verses in the book of Luke, Jesus spoke about money. But the way that Jesus speaks about money is very rarely speaking about giving a certain amount of money. Rather, Jesus speaks to the heart of a person as they are choosing to give. Now, if you're here today and you are feeling a little bit cynical about giving, or if you're here for the first time and you're thinking, I can't believe I came to this church on the giving week, how can I possibly be here? Um, you might be feeling, yeah, I, I, I do understand why you might be feeling a little bit cynical, and can I just empathise with you for a moment? I understand 
I understand what it is to be in your shoes and to hear something that sometimes I've thought of as more of a sales pitch than anything else. But the reason that I think back in the day I was probably a little bit cynical when I used to hear about Christian giving is because I didn't have some of my questions answered about what this is to look like. And so today, what I probably want to do, spend most of our time doing together, is speak to you here today if you are feeling uh, a little bit cautious and a little bit wary about, uh, about this complex topic of, uh, of Christian giving. And the first question I think any one of us needs to be able to ask is why do we give? What's the purpose around giving? And then as soon as we answer that, how are we supposed to give? Both of these things go hand in hand with one another because the answer is almost the same for both of them. Now, this really is the most important question, isn't it? Why do we give towards the work of God? Is it simply so that the electricity will stay on? Is it just so that the staff can have a wage? Do we give so that my child can be looked after for a few hours a week and I can just sit and have some child-free time? Do we give because we are paying for a service? Is that why we are, uh, why we are giving? Now, in our culture today, this is uh, what the mindset is. We give towards something and then we purchase something back. But the why and how of Christian giving is totally different. And we have an answer here in Scripture in 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 9, which helps us understand the why and how of why we should uh, of, of giving. And so if you have your Bibles, just turn there right now, 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 9, it'll be up there on the screen as well, and it says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he uh, had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And so this first question is the question that we need to have answered. The why. Why do we give? It is not as simple as just simply trying to keep the electricity running throughout the church. But here we see really clearly, why are we called to give? And it's also spread through the, rest of, uh, through the rest of what we read. Why do we give? Because Jesus, in the last phrase here, Jesus gave his life for us. 
Further on throughout the whole passage, we see His grace is littered all throughout this passage that we, have, uh, that we have read. The grace of Jesus Christ for us, through Jesus coming and living on this earth, giving Himself for every single one of us so that we might have life. This is why we then give back to God. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of the generosity of Jesus, because of the faithfulness of Jesus to do what His Father had called him to do, this is why we give. This is why we began our time earlier on this morning, centering ourselves around Christ. This is the why. Jesus Christ is the why, because Jesus gives himself as a gift on our behalf, buying ourselves for him. He is the why, and yet Jesus doesn't just answer the why of giving, but He also at the same time here answers the how of giving, because it's when we look to Jesus that we see the attitude of giving that we should have. How are we to give? And the first thing that we see here uh, is that we are called to give joyfully. This passage that we just read from, Um, It comes from the Apostle Paul, and he's got some important words that he is needing to say to the church in Corinth, and the people that he's pointing to is the church in uh, in Macedon, where he, uh, he, he points to what he sees as the ultimate example of giving. This Macedonian church that he points to was going through extremely difficult times. They were persecuted for their faith, they had things stolen from them, they were not a well-off group of people, and yet even through their poverty, they still gave an abundance out of what they had. And Paul says that their uh, their giving wasn't just uh, an abundance of giving, although he, uh, he appreciates that. He says the attitude of giving that these people had, that even though they were poor, they were joyful as they gave. How could this church, who was persecuted for their faith and had barely anything to be able to give, how could they possibly be joyful as they give? But it was out of the joy of what Jesus had done for them, that is why they chose to give. Now, sometimes when we think about giving joyfully, we may think that that's simply having a, a smile on our face, maybe doing it through gritted teeth as we give to the, to the work of God. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you what I, what I have, to, have to give, but this is not what joy means here. There is a rejoicing in the way that they are giving. There is something deep within their hearts where they are saying, we are looking forward to being able to do this, to being able to give to the work of God. So that's the first thing, the attitude, the how, is they should give joyfully. That is the example of, uh, of this church here. So give joyfully, give generously. I'm not going to speak about this right now, I'll speak about this uh, a little bit later, um, but giving generously. Give sacrificially in verses 3 and 4 of what we just read. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service for the Lord's people. Now, giving is not always going to be easy or comfortable. That's not what God calls us into. There is uh, a necessary sacrifice that comes. There is a losing of something. Why? 
Once again, because we look to Jesus, because he has sacrificed everything for all of us. So give joyfully, give generously, give sacrificially, and give faithfully. That's the last of the how we are to give. In verse 5, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. The Macedonian church that Paul is referencing here is the ultimate example. They prioritized their giving. They made it their highest first priority. They gave first to the Lord. Even in their poverty, that was the first thing that they were to give to. It wasn't to go towards their food. It wasn't to go to one another. It was to go to the Lord. They gave faithfully. So that's the, probably the most uh, important couple of questions that we can ask in, in one question. Why and how should we give? That sort of gives you the, the foundation of giving. But then we have a, another important question that I think is, uh, is key for us to, to ask. Well, what should we give? Is there a certain amount that is outlined? And the big answer to, uh, to um, the, the, the answer to this, the, the, for, for many of you, um, you, you might be thinking that the, uh, of the Old Testament and that, um, that it was said in the Old Testament that we are to give a, a 10% uh, tithe. Maybe that is the magic number that we are called to follow. And yet what we see here, um, just out of what was spoken, is that we are called to give generously. Out of what Jesus has done for us, we give um, as much as we possibly can. And the Macedonians gave so much out of their poverty that it hurt them. So is there a magic number that we are to give? Now, Jesus' most clear example of giving was the widow's offering, which is what Alex was referencing just before in Mark 12, 41 to 44, where there were all of these people who were bringing their uh, large offering and their large amounts of money um, and doing this very publicly, and then suddenly this widow who has nothing, she brings two copper coins and she puts them um, in, the, uh, in the offering, and that is all that she has. But for her, that sacrifice was even more than what these other people had given because this was what she had. A few years ago, um, uh, one of the things I remember hearing about from a, from a certain church, I won't reference the church, I don't think that's helpful, but one of the, one of the things I heard from a certain church um, was uh, uh, down the road um, was that there were, they had provided certain uh, levels of giving within their church. If you gave over a certain amount, you were considered a bronze level giver. If you gave over another amount, you were a silver level giver. If you gave another amount, you were a gold level giver. And then top tier, you could be a platinum level giver. And there were some rewards for platinum level givers. You could have dinner with the senior pastor. You don't want dinner with me. I don't cook that well. It's not that exciting. They all at all of these different levels, people were given certain things if they gave a certain amount. We're not talking about a percentage of their of what they they had, but if it was over a certain amount. And this is not the idea of what generous giving looks like. This is not how Jesus speaks about giving here 
to about the, uh, the widow's offering. It is not about a set number of giving. It is about a heart of generosity. And this can look different for all different people. And now I would say that the, uh, the New Testament, although we, we reference the, uh, the tithe in the Old Testament, which is the 10%, I would say that the New Testament actually raises the bar on what giving is supposed to look like than what it had looked like previously. Because previously it had been about a certain set amount of money, about a 10%, and yet here Jesus... Uh, all through here, and Paul in 2 Corinthians speaks about having a generous heart, giving out of uh, generosity because of what Jesus has done for us. In the next chapter, in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, we see this, what Paul says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion because God uh, loves a cheerful giver. And so this morning, when we speak about giving, there is no sense of obligation on any of you here as you sit there. There is no sense of wanting any of you to feel forced to do anything. That is not our goal. Rather, every single one of us should pray earnestly about what God would have you give. Seek Him. Seek Jesus and remember what He has done for you. And then in your heart, decide what has God called me to give and then give with a joyful heart, with a cheerful heart, remembering what Jesus has done. Now, for some of you, this may mean $20, for, t- for some of you, $20 would be a really generous gift and would be a real sacrifice for some of you. For some of you, you may not even notice if you lose $10,000, it may not mean a huge amount to you. And so for all of us, we need to seek God and give generously whatever He is leading us to give. So that's the second question. What should we give? But the third question which I think is important for us to understand moving into the future, is what difference does it make? I mean, if we give here today, if we uh, commit to giving, um, either a one-off gift over the next couple of weeks, or if we commit to giving over the next, um, uh, over the next financial year, what difference does it actually make? And at the end of 2 Corinthians 9, Paul begins to... Uh, to speak about the difference that the, uh, that the investment in the kingdom of God makes. Now, I'm not much of a, um, I'm not much of a gardener um, at all. Can I just put that out there at the moment? We have, uh, in this new house that we have moved into, we have gotten a herb garden, and I could think of nothing worse than trying to look after herbs for a, uh, for a, for a hobby. Um, but the language that Paul uses in the last part of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is about scattering seed. Now, even though I'm not much of a gardener, I understand the concept of what scattering seed does. If you get seed and you plant it in the ground and you look after it, you care for it, you foster it, then over time it will grow into something and then what will happen It will produce more seed, and then you can scatter that seed once again. 
And this is the analogy that Paul chooses to use at the second part of 2 Corinthians 9, where he says that investing in the kingdom of God is like scattering seed. When you invest into the kingdom of God, whether it is time, whether it is gifting, whether it is service, whether it's uh, finances, you are scattering seed. And as you begin to scatter seed, if you allow that to be fostered and, uh, and cared for, you will see that over time, what you have invested into the kingdom of God will grow and there will be fruit that comes from this. There will be a difference that is made in the kingdom of God. And today, you are sitting in the fruit of other people's investment, other people's scattering that they have done over decades and decades, over 40 years of people investing into this church. Um, all around the place, you can see different paintings of what our church originally looked like in 1987, I think this building was opened. Ralph, was it 1987? 1987, there we go, three years before I was born. And right here, you can see the original sign of what, uh, of what this church um, used to present out in the community when they used to meet at the TAFE College. There you go. We haven't changed our service time in, uh, in over 40 years. 1980. Oh, oh that's, when, that's when you were at the college. That's right. Um, that's when the, the services were happening um, back there. And over these 40 years, there have been people who have invested uh, a huge amount. There have been people who have scattered seed, and there has been uh, many people who have been able to see the fruit of what people have scattered over the past generations. And right now, we are sitting in the fruit of that. Um, now, what I want to show you this morning is, uh, is a video of the opening of this, uh, of this building, what it originally looked like in, 19, um, in 1987. And through this video, you might see some familiar faces and you might, uh, for some of you, if you've been here for, the, for a long while, there might be some music in the background that brings back some memories for some of you. Um, but I just wanna show you this video to help you understand the investment that people made over 30 years ago and what that has meant for us here today. So if you just want to turn your eyes to the screen right now. For the congregation of the Brackenridge Baptist Church, this is the culmination of something like eight years of planning. Who would have thought that when services began in the TAFE College just six and a half years ago, that there would be such a vital church fellowship as we have now in Brackenridge. Under the leadership of Pastor Ted Brett, whom I'm pleased to see here today with his wife, uh, later supported by myself as a team, the fellowship made steady progress and soon turned its thoughts towards building for the future needs of the work. Our church secretary, Ralph Brett. Stay there, stay there, stay there, stay there. Church secretary's job is not an easy job. He has to coordinate, he has to work together and bring it all together. And uh, he's been working there as a member of the building committee. He's been uh, working as, a, as the secretary of the church on the administration committee. Uh, he's had his... Uh, contribution in the pastorate committee 
He is a vital man in the life of a Baptist church. And he does so much work behind the scenes that uh, such a num so many people don't really know what he does. And uh, I would like to say how much we've appreciated, Ralph, what you have done. And uh, I know you're going to make a statement now uh, concerning some of the things in the church life. But uh, the members of our congregation and others would like to express their appreciation to you for what you've done. Of course, it's the beginning of a new era of ministry. Uh, we don't sit back now and say, well, uh, we've got a building. We have a, a great work to do. And uh, we are just trusting God to show us uh, the direction. Uh, we know there are many needs. And uh, in his uh, guidance day by day, we expect that uh, many people will uh, see miracles of grace in their lives and children will be uh, brought to uh, a knowledge of Christ and uh, there'll be um, an effort to train them in good citizenship and uh, to commit their lives continuing uh, in continuing service to the Lord. Well, fashion has changed a little bit over the past 35 years, um, but the heart of our church has always been a heart to invest into not just what is happening right now, but also into future generations. And I want to honour people like Ralph and others who have made this, uh, what we are sitting in today, become possible. Or because of their faithfulness all those years ago to invest into kingdom work, there have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives that have been transformed through the work of this church. And today, what we have is the opportunity to invest into generations to come. And so team, I just want to invite you to come up right now if uh, if that's okay. And, and our opportunity today is we look towards committing towards the work um, that God is wanting to do through our church. It's not about buildings or facilities. It's not even about money. It is about people knowing the life, freedom, and hope found in Jesus. And so today, um, I just want to give you the opportunity to commit to the work that God is wanting to do here. 
Um, as you see these paintings that are sitting around the room at the moment, you can see the investment that people made into uh, this facility here. And as, uh, as we invest into our facility into the future, God is going to want to use that for, uh, for amazing things, things that we can't even uh, understand or expect. God does even more than we, uh, than we can imagine or, or think. And so today... Um, what I just want to invite you to do is, um, as you have these cards sitting in front of you, this is for those of you who call our, our church home, um, you may choose to commit to either giving a one-off amount before the 4th of September towards uh, the building fund, or you may choose to give a certain amount over this financial year. Um, and without any obligation, um, I want to encourage you to pray earnestly about what God would have you give towards uh, this building fund. If you're joining with us online, there's also an online version that you can make use of in the description in the, uh, in the YouTube video. So what I want to invite you to do is just to remain seated as you, um, as you pray about that and as you think about that. You may have already spent a lot of time praying and thinking about this. And then partway through this song, um, I'm going to invite you to come forward and place your completed cards in the, uh, in the box. There are pens here at the front uh, or at the box back there if you, um, if you don't have a pen with you. Now, some of you, you may have already placed your card in the box. You may have already committed to giving a certain amount, and that's okay. Um, but for those of us who are going to be committing to give a certain amount, either today or over this financial year, this is your opportunity to, to commit to doing that. And we do this together. We do this as a family. Although we commit to God individually, we commit to Him corporately together as well. And this is where we will be doing that um, as his people. We give joyfully, generously, sacrificially, and faithfully. And so right now, I'm just going to pray for us, and then you have the opportunity to come and do that. Um, will you, I'll ask you to sit, um, and then I'll invite you to come and do that. Let's pray together. Lord, right now, as we just hold these, these cards in front of us, we do want to look primarily to Jesus and see the ultimate gift and sacrifice that was given for us. And as we commit to giving right now, we do ask that you will give us cheerful hearts as we do this. We don't want to do anything out of obligation or reluctance. We want to give knowing that you have first given um, to us. Give us joy as we do this. Help this to be a moment of worship for us as we commit to giving to the work that you want to do. And Lord, I really do pray that as we scatter seed into the future, as we invest time, gifts, resources, service, any of these things, God, we ask that you will take those things and multiply them for your kingdom and that we might see many, many more people coming into a saving knowledge of you. So God, work right now by your spirit in this moment. Make this a holy moment for us, please, great God, in your name. Amen.